This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. Let's get right to it. This is a special edition of Faster Skier's 17 Questions for 2017. In front of the mic is part-time Philadelphia resident and part-time steamboat resident and full-time jet setter, Faster Skier's own John Schaefer. Some of you might know him by his pen name, Fast Big Dog. I hope all of you are coming up for some air after a long ski season, and if you have any personal questions for Mr. Schaefer after the podcast, I'd be glad to offer up his personal contact info via email. Thanks. So we are going to go through the 17 questions that, and let me get the the proper heading here. It's 17 questions for 2017, and it was a series of stories that Faster Steer did pre-World Cup, pre-Super Tour with both Canadian and U.S. skiers just to kind of get a feel for how their year of training went and some personal insight. So uh, can I get you to introduce yourself? Who are you? Sure. I am Fast Big Dog, a.k.a. John Schaefer, intrepid correspondent and uh, moral center of Faster Skier. Well, how old are you? Well, I, I tell girls in bars that I'm 34. Why 34? Is that like some magic number? Uh, it's a good number. It's kind of nondescript. I look like I could be 34, you know, so it kind of covers a broad age range and checks a whole bunch of boxes in one easy answer. Okay, let's go with question number one here is biggest... Yep. And do you want to bring these up at all on your computer or do you, you just... Are you high high functioning enough that you don't need to visually see it in front of you? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I'm not sure if that qualifies as high functioning, but I found that I generally can do pretty well in life. If someone asks me a question, I think I can provide an answer. I don't need to actually have the question written down in front of me. So I think I'll be okay. Okay. Biggest change in your life in the last five or so months since the ski season ended? Okay. Well, for me, the ski season just ended. Well, actually, it hasn't ended. I just raced five days ago. So uh, biggest change is, boy, I, I think I'd have to say that somehow I became even more awesome. I know that sounds hard to believe, but it's true. What do you mean by that? Well, just generally the way I conduct myself. You know, I was went down to team training today. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to talk into too much detail about my many philanthropic endeavors, but I kind of feel like uh, it's been nothing but a exponential growth curve with no end in sight on the awesomeness scale. It's pretty exciting. The personal awesomeness scale or the awesomeness that you bestow toward, you know, upon others and their, and, and in turn their awesomeness, <laughs> like their growth. Well, interesting question. So any true evolutionary biologist will tell you that there's no such thing as true altruism. So everybody does something nice, even in the surface altruistic things, hoping that they will somehow come back and help them, whether it's donors giving a lot of money, they want a lot of recognition. So I would answer your question in the form of another question. Are there any, any really any true altruists out there, Jason? I don't know. That's Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> I know. Pretty heavy for question number one, but that's just how we pull <laughs> no, out. That is. Remember, we're like, we're talking about skiing. <laughs> 
Hey, you said you want some depth, so I'm doing my best. <laughs> That's true. Okay, question number two. Biggest change in your training. So what do you foresee? And I think you just went to World Masters and you did the Angadin. Yep. Yeah, so what do you foresee as like the biggest change in your training? Uh, I decided to try to start doing some. Okay, next question. Okay, question number three. Major areas of improvement you've seen so far. Well, anyone who has spent time with me in the summer knows that I had a, uh, a rough patch. There was a little preponderance of high-speed roller ski crashes. So I don't want to jinx myself and say I'm not crashing, uh, but let's just say I appear to be crashing less, and so I'll take that. And this is roller skiing in or around Steamboat? Well, it's everywhere. And are you one of these guys that wears like wrist guards and knee guard and knee pads? No, 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 no. I, I, I raw dog it. You know, hey, if you're going to go out there uh, on a device that has no brakes, why do something foolish like add any safety equipment? You know, you just need to go for it. Okay. Next question. Number four, whom you've been working closest with this off season, coaches or training partners? Well, you know, there's a whole team surrounding me. You know, it's kind of like Michael Jackson's like final days when he had, you know, hypnotists and physicians administering anesthesia every night so he could sleep and wake up and nutritionist and someone to walk bubbles. You know, I kind of have my own special version of that. So in reality, it's remarkable the number of very, very talented people who are kind enough to provide some level of insight or coaching or wax tech. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how long this is. I feel like this is an Academy Awards acceptance speech here. So um, would you like me to give a couple shout outs or just kind of collectively thank the whole community? Because it really is. No, it's it's shout outs. Shout outs. Okay. And like most, like the most esoteric folks you might work with that are in your little circle. Sure. Okay. Well, like I said, it's, you know, it's a big circle. I'll, I'll, I'll quote Hillary Clinton's uh, book title, It Takes a Village. So I guess first and foremost, and I know this is really going to upset him to say it, but uh, Josh Schmullen, I train with Schmullen, geez, I don't even know how often, but a lot. Certainly every time I'm in Steamboat, more often than he wants to admit, even though I'm very good for him, he needs me here uh, in his life. I'm kind of, I'm like his life coach, let's call it that. Uh, Billy DeMong, Billy and I are good friends and, you know, we work together, so I train a decent amount with DeMong. But those guys don't, they, I mean, I don't know Billy. I've spoken to him a little bit. I, I kind of know Josh. They don't really strike me as like very esoteric type people in your circle. I'm talking like who might be your hypnotist. <laughs> I can't divulge that. I mean, or like, I, or, you know, cupping. I do know cupping. I have a buddy in town. Like we, I live right by the river and we were swimming one day and I was like, dang, it looks like he's being beaten by someone. And it turns out it was just after that whole like Michael Phelps thing mm -hmm. where he was cupping during the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, he's getting some cupping done. Are you like, you know, that's part of your routine for recovery or ma maintenance? Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm going to blow your mind here, Jason. I am actually a uh, very like this is all very relative statement, but I would say I'm very like happy, well-adjusted, like normal guy. You know, I don't sleep in a hyperbaric chamber, you know, uh, with, you know, a, uh, a llama farm in the background, or I can only, you know, I'm not a practicing level four vegan where I can't eat anything that casts a shadow. Like I get up and I have like a normal, like regular breakfast. 
I uh, do regular work. I go out and ski, so I don't have a hypnotist. I don't have a uh, physiotherapist. You know, I get the occasion. I I don't. I get the occasional massage, but you know, knock on wood, uh, I've been pretty durable. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have anything. Okay. All right. Super super crazy. Um, it's all right. But I don't. And we'll get to the llama farm stuff later. But uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So best trip in the last five months and why? Uh, let's see. I'm probably going to have to go with the trip from which I just returned. So it was um, two weeks in Lati uh, coaching at the World Championships for Nordic Combined and ski jumping, um, <clears throat> followed immediately by uh, cross-country racing and cross-country uh, world masters and then racing Engadine and then immediately racing world biathlon masters. So whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I did something like nine races and no, six races in 11 days or something like that. Well, you need a physiotherapist. I do. Or, or a psychiatrist or something. That too. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anyone who would, who would argue with you on that. <laughs> Uh, favorite cross training question number six I would say probably surfing and surf ski paddling although I think it's very important to point out that in Tim Burke's interview he talked about how he also likes surf skiing paddling but he neglected to mention that he bought that surf ski from me so I'm disappointed in Tim for not providing full disclosure there. I think it may be because I am way, way better than him at it. I'm a much better paddler. Really? Yes, I'm a much better I'm a much better person and I'm a much better paddler. So I think there's probably, you know, I mean Tim's a good guy, you know, Tim's my boy, but there's probably some sour grapes there. Clearly. Okay. So okay. And this would be like question six B. Uh, board shorts or, you know, thick neoprene. Yeah. I, I'm generally a, uh, a board short guy or a speedo. I'm not afraid to rock the speedo, but that's another topic. It is. Okay. Um, but we might circle back to that. Okay. Okay. Question number seven, favorite non-athletic activity or pastime this summer. Ooh, um, boy, I'm going to have to say it's kind of a two way tie for first. I would either say drinking or bothering people. And if I can bother people while drinking, boy, it doesn't get any better than that, does it, buddy? So, What's your drink of choice? Uh, what's ever within arm's reach. Really? Okay. All right. Song that was your jam this summer. Well, I don't really have one song in particular. Um, I have a pretty solid musical background so i listen to a very very wide variety of music although i will say i just as i told you i just got back from europe and i was driving up from denver to steamboat two days ago i guess and um i really like uh, jay-z and eminem and so there was a jay-z song jay-z and eminem song <clears throat> on the ipod that i actually shuffled a couple times just because it's a great tune um, called Renegade. And there's a line in there uh, from Jay-Z saying, I came to a fork in the road and went straight. I love that line. And I think it's very sort of a perfect metaphor for 
for this interview and my life in general. So I guess if we have to pick a jam, since that's at the forefront of my mind, let's go with that one. All-time favorite race moment, question nine. Probably um, every time I make it across the line in one piece. Racing is supposed to be fun. I'm pretty good at setting goals, keeping perspective on things. You know what? I'm, I'm happy every time I, I cross the line and I'm not dead. I consider that job well done. Okay. Question 10. First thing you pack in your bag when you leave for Europe? Oh, this is a good question. So um, I think hopefully your entire audience is hanging on my every word, whether it be spoken or written. So I'm sure everyone here read my beautifully and thoroughly crafted review of the wash product, Defunk It, I think it's called, where you know you basically can wear the same pair of underwear for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. So thanks to that, you know, I now uh, don't need to bring a lot of clothes like for the big European trip. So what I like to do, so the thing that I pack is I have a giant bag. There's always a noise, Taylor Fletcher, but it really, it's a... Wait, like, what, what did you just say? I said I have, I, I have a giant, like, you know, a duffel bag and that annoys Taylor. Yeah, I got that part. It, that annoys Taylor Fletcher. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Got, all right. We room together sometimes in Europe. And I think the reason it annoys him is, in reality, it's like a series of Russian nesting dolls. Inside each bag, there's a smaller bag. So there's, I think I have 11 of them in there. And it goes down to the, the, really the only thing that I take with me is my shaving kit. One pair of socks, one pair of underwear, and a t-shirt. So just to make it, you know, uh, thoroughly annoying for those around me. I have the giant bag, but inside the bag is just a slightly smaller bag. Because I just got back from my big trip and I was like, once again, I overpacked and tended to wear the same thing over and over. I'm like, why did I pack all these clothes I'm not wearing? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I gotta, gotta work on that. Right. I will, next time I do this, I will sort of consult. Do you charge? I'll, I'll take you under my wing. Okay, perfect. Uh, number 11, venue or event you're most excited to visit this season? How many more of these things do we have to do? Six? Oh, my God. All right. Uh, venue I'm most excited to visit. Well, let's see. Uh, it's an Olympic year, so, you know, Pyeongchang. How can you not get stoked about going to the Olympics? Okay, question question number 12. Who will win the World Cup title this year? Okay, great question. I love this question, and I'm going to blow your mind here, Jason, because I think a lot of people – I've read a decent number of the uh, interviews that you guys have done, and I think everyone, very understandably, is a little myopic in their answer because it's interesting. I noticed you didn't specify which World Cup. And in general, you don't need to. The biathletes answer, biathlete, cross-country, skiers answer, cross-country. So I'm going to blow your mind here, and I'm going to answer for all of them because I think we tend to pigeonhole ourselves incorrectly and somewhat foolishly into, oh, I'm a Nordic combiner, or I'm a biathlete, or I'm a cross-country. It's too small a community to be doing that for number one. And number two, um, from an athlete development standpoint, everyone should be out there participating in as much different cool shit as they can and then from kind of sort of a support fan you know whatever it's all awesome racing you know why are we fighting against ourselves here like there's some they all have different you know points to offer so i'm gonna go whole hog plus i've got relationships with all of them so this answer is already too long and your people will probably stop listening anyway but don't stop because Ugh. this is gonna be good stuff okay 
All right, you, you hanging in there? You with me? All right, so ski jumping. I'm going to blow everyone's mind, you know, but I'm the high performance director uh, for ski jumping, and we're doing great. We got a couple young guys who are killing it this year. So I'm going to go with Casey Larson, kind of a up-and-coming young buck who I think is going to do great things. He's had a couple top 20s. I'm going to, I'm going to pick Casey for the win because uh, he's, he's my boy. And then Sarah Hendrickson, for those of you who have followed ski jumping, is one world champ. Torn ACL, she's coming back. So those are my two picks for ski jumping. Uh, Nordic combined, um, I'm going to go with my boy Brian Fletcher. Uh, Brian's definitely on the back down of his career, but good jumper, great skier, getting it all together. I think he's going to have a, a big one next year. So Brian's my guy there. Biathlon, well, I, uh, I know you chastised me a little bit about being a little bit of a homer, but I'm not only am I a good person, Jason, I'm a good American. So I'm sticking with Team USA here uh, for a variety of reasons. i got to go with my guy, Timmy Burke. Timmy is my boy. Timmy's a great dude. And, I mean, it's awesome. You know, uh, uh, Lowell you know, won Worlds this year, um, and we're all super stoked for him. But, you know, Tim and Lowell train together all the time, comparable speeds. Tim actually led the World Cup a couple of years ago with the yellow bib. So I think Timmy's due. He got sick and kind of had a tough end of the year this year. But Tim's my man for the men. And then for the women, uh, I got to, you know, us Colorado people all stick together. I don't know if you know that. So I got to go with Joanna Reed. She, I don't know her exact backstory, but she, was, she skied for CU, and I'm pretty sure she won NCAAs. So her skiing's legit. And um, she set up a mat for me at the range the other day. So she's forever on the FBD uh, fan list. So Joanna and Timmy for biathlon. And then cross country, everyone loves cross country. I'm going to stick with uh, my homeboy from the mean streets of Durango, Tad Elliott. Tad's going great and very positive upward trajectory there. And then I think on the women's side, I like Sadie Bjornsson. Uh, I got an opportunity to talk to Sadie a little bit in Lati. She's skiing better and better. I think she's really kind of getting her groove on. Does it all, does it all well. So I think, I think she's a good pick on the women's side. And if you were going to have any one of those athletes balance your financial spreadsheets? Oh, God, good question. It's kind of a loaded question because I think I know who might be best, but who, who do you think? Um, ooh, good question. So Sadie is getting her MBA because we talked about that one day on the bus. I don't know if she's specializing in finance, but potentially a pretty solid um, you know, mathematical and financial background there. Um, I don't even let Tad Elliott hold my wallet, so definitely not going to be Tad. Well, I, I think okay, but I think I think let's just leave it at that. I think Sadie. Well, I'm going to put I'm going to say in between Sadie and Tim because Tim and I have talked to some business deals, um, and Tim's a smart guy. He, he's got his wits about him, so uh, that'd be a, probably a toss up between Tim and Sadie, depending on whoever's going to charge him the least. Okay, okay. All right, next question is just of those potential winners who might win the World Cup. If you were going to have one of them throw you a 50th birthday party, a party to end all parties, who might it be? Uh, That's going to be easy. There I'm going Tad Elliott, hands down. Tad drives an El Camino. Uh, (laughs) He was my roommate in Switzerland. Tad's awesome. Uh, and I know he would throw a kick-ass party. Even though that's 16 years away, 
Tad, start planning it now. I'm building you up big here, bud. Uh, you got to come through for me. So yeah, Tad, these are good. I like these follow-ups, by the way, because this adds an interesting dimension that we haven't seen previously. Okay. Biggest sacrifice you feel you've made choosing this career path? <laughs> I, I, so as you know, I, uh, I have lots of irons in the fire. So maybe you can help me out here and define which career path we're talking about here. We're talking about faster skier reporting, coaching, racing. Uh, what, what was this centered upon? Well, I would say sort of like pulling the lens back and answering the question when you think about that is in itself a career, a choice in terms of a career path is putting, you know, your fingers in lots of different projects. So that piece, kind of the 10,000 foot view, what's the sacrifice you've made perhaps getting involved with lots of different things or not? Okay, sure. Fair enough. Well, you know, the one danger when you have a lot going on is certainly time management is tricky. And then also, and, you know, this happened, um, speaking of this past trip, so there were definitely times you're trying to spend a lot of time with, you know, everything happening with ski jumping, a lot of time with everything happening with Nordic Combined. And there's definitely a sense sometimes that, you know, Everyone wants more of you everywhere. So whether, you know, that's personal relationship, whether that's different teams that you're coaching or, you know, consulting clients or your own training or, you know, friends, you know, you name it. You know, it's a nice problem to have. I mean, God, the death knell of being a consultant or a writer or a coach is when the phone stops ringing. But one of the dangers of being very successful and having a lot going on is it is easy to get sucked into you know, the sense of like, everyone wants more of your time. Sometimes that's a little hard. What do you think about the people on the receiving end of not getting the time like Gabby and I? <laughs> that's true. So there's a perfect example. <laughs> right. I, I, I absolutely did want to go out and have a beer with you guys in Lottie and there just was not time. So, you know, uh, okay. I, will find, I will find a way to make it up to you when I head up to Bend in, in a couple weeks. How about that? Fair enough. Question number 14. If you could change one thing about your sport, what would it be? Okay, that's an easy one. So one of the things that um, I was sort of shocked and disturbed was the, I don't want to say prevalence because that implies proof, but certainly allegations and I think in some cases fairly reliable allegations of doping at the master's level. I was just appalled um, coming from two different master's world championships. I mean, it's a problem everywhere. You know, let's, let's be honest here. Um, but, I mean, I was talking uh, with, you know, a variety of different racers who had firsthand knowledge of people that w were doing it. I mean, they told me flat out, you are towing the line with guys that we know for a fact are dirty. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, so that was A, shocking, and B, just sad. You know, here, here is this, you know, I mean, 
let's call it somewhat arbitrary goal. You know, you, there is no financial incentive. You don't get money. You don't get a contract. You, you don't get anything. You get a medal that no one really gives a shit about, you know, and, you know, you're going to risk your life and spend all this money and not to mention, you know, kind of the weighty moral issues with it. I just, I couldn't believe it. Okay. Question number 15. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Wow. You're really, this is no old Bart, huh? This is some hard, hard hitting journalism. Barbara Walters. Yeah, I, I can see that. So, you know, I used to pretty much start the day with like, you know, cold pizza and a shot. Um, but I had uh, Zach Caldwell staying with me for uh, some time over the winter. And uh, I'm sure you've interviewed Zach or read his stuff before. He talks a lot about uh, bringing, you know, energy to training and having good energy. Noah Hoffman's also a fan of that concept. So it occurred to me that, you know, what am I doing wasting my time with, you know, these different foods when really if I'm looking for good energy, I could just start with an energy drink. I mean, it's the name is, you know, the word is right there in the name. So now you also read a lot of nutritionists talk about, you know, getting vegetables and foods of different color. Well, <laughs> you know, here's a, a shocker for you, Jason. You can kill two birds with one stone. Red Bull has like five or six different colors now. You can get blue ones, orange ones, yellow ones, red ones. So I'll have three or four of those. Um, may maybe put in a couple, of, you know, everyone's, when I stayed with Timmy and Andrea, they were making smoothies in the morning. So sometimes I'll make a smoothie, you know, throw in some ice cream or something. You know, we all know how important carbs are for athletes. And everyone talks about uh, getting good carbs. Well, I mean, ice cream, that's. Who doesn't like ice cream, right? Ice cream, I think, by definition, is good. So I'm not sure there's a better, you know, good carb than ice cream. So sort of ice cream and a couple of Red Bulls, and we call it good. Doesn't sound so bad. No, no, not at all. In five years, I'll be blank. Probably fired, possibly dead. Okay. In 50 years, I'll be? Um, definitely fired and definitely dead. How old are you? 51. And maybe not. <laughs> that's true hey i like your i like your your optimism there son i appreciate that i might make it that's true i mean the fired piece for sure but the dead piece <laughs> oh yeah fired fired piece for sure i mean i think we're all surprised i wouldn't be surprised if the average faster skier opens up their browser each morning is like holy shit that guy <laughs> still works there so yeah uh five years i don't even know what the over under is on that but it's not real good, but 50 years, yeah, that's uh, take that bet, whatever the odds are. You're going you're gonna to get that money. Okay, and so uh, we're going to go kind of um, spinal tap. We're going to go one louder than 2000 or th than 17. So what's an 18th, you know, a burning question that I should ask you for the 18th question? Oh, what's a burn? Oh, that's a good question. What's a question you should ask me? Um, a couple of people are like, ask him about the animal farm rescue. Okay. Um, I, could, I will gladly talk to you about that. I don't know if it's very funny. All right, so here's a good one. I get this question a lot. People ask me, they, they say, you know, your gear reviews are unlike many or any of the other ones we've ever read. How do you write that way? Why do you write that way? That might be kind of an interesting question. Yeah. No, it's not bad. It's not bad. Okay. Uh, you, you don't like it? I can, I can do better if you don't like well, that's, it. Okay, so that's, that, that's, a, that's a potential question. Right, well, hang on. I don't question. You know, you know me. I'm a chronic overachiever. That's how I got with it. Okay. 
so there's that. Well, I, I can tell you're lukewarm on this. Um, but I'm not. The, no, I'm, I'm okay. We can go back to it. No, that's. A, I'm just. Well, I was just curious about like the. I think the animal farm is in Jersey. Is that right? Uh, it's in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, like in the city limits. <laughs> well, that's one of. The, <laughs> Jason, there are a half dozen things about the whole animal rescue that's crazy, and <laughs> that's why I'm asking about it. Its location is one of them. So you want to dive right in? You want to do it in question form, or you want me to? We can- okay. So, so as part of the faster skier mandate, we just, we do a very thorough job of doing background research when developing a story that is sort of non race result oriented. And in this case, we had the team um, looking into your, you know, the backstory of John Schaefer, fast big dog, like what's actually going on in this guy's orbit in his world. And one of the things we tapped into was that you actually own or help run with perhaps your partner, an animal rescue. And I'm kind of curious about the nature of the animal rescue and where is it located? Okay. So yes, uh, well done. You guys uh, do in fact, or I guess I include me in this. So let's, let's say me, I generally do a wonderful job in fact checking and sounds like you've been able to follow my lead. So good job. Um, yeah, I really do have a large animal rescue and we don't run it. We actually own it. And by the way, the whole partner thing sounds weird. Uh, I have a wife, like, you know, it's, it makes it sound like, I don't know, something other than what it is. So yeah, my wife and I, uh, took over it's, it's kind of a sad story actually I had a friend who uh, started it and became quite ill actually terminally ill and, and passed away and as he was kind of as his health was declining he asked us to we, originally we had adopted one of the animals there and we were there helping out and it's a great cause and so as his health was declining he asked us to uh, take over the whole rescue so in a period of six months, I went from a baby goat uh, that, you know, I was, you know, like paying for its food or whatever. Uh, that's, that's the animal you adopted. I adopted a baby goat and six months later, I was in charge of 23 rescue animals. What was the, what was the goat's name? Uh, Woody. <laughs> so, okay. Those are important facts. So, okay. So 23 animals? Yeah. Yep. Ranging in what? What kind? I mean, obviously, yep. goat is goat sized. Yep. What was the? So we have, we, we yeah, the goat is in fact goat sized. That's, that's correct. right. I, I can see you really, you really know your livestock. Um, we have donkeys, goats, sheep, chickens. And what brings them there? What makes it a rescue of these animals that may have been hit by a car or abused? Yeah, it's actually the the backstory on all the animals is is terrible. Well, uh, two of them now uh, were born at the farm, um, so their life story is fine. Um, but yeah, it's not that's like not a really a rescue, right? But the rest of them have horrible, horrible backstories. I mean, it's awful the things that people do to these poor defenseless animals. I mean, we have couple different sized donkeys so two miniature donkeys were like i mean tortured basically burned dude okay yeah which is terrible keep it light i know but i mean it's it's what happens and then um one of the other donkeys was abandoned 
And um, one of them was just severely neglected, was you know extremely malnourished. Um, same thing with the goats. You know, people you know get goats because they think they're going to clean their property or something. Uh, and when that doesn't work out the way they want, they just kind of stop taking care of them. So really, every single one of them has well, except for the two that were born at, at the farm, um, they have. Just really, really sad uh, histories behind them. So, Do you, okay, and and this facility is located in Philadelphia, like within the city limits. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the other thing that's kind of funny about the whole thing. So you would think, oh yeah, you have it out in Steamboat. Well, you know, Steamboat has become you know so uh, developed and built up. There is it's probably cost prohibitive to have like a petting zoo there. Well, it's. Well, it's not a petting zoo, but uh, that's kind of the irony here that, you know, Steamboat still has very strong ranching roots. You know, if you go out for a road ride, you don't have to go more than 15 or 20 minutes outside the city. And, you know, there are people, I mean, there are working ranches. That's what these people do for a living. You know, they're they're not, you know, John Travolta, Kmart Cowboys. I mean, they're real full-on ranchers, you know. Um, but within, you know, that's, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so is probably – about how long you have to drive before you start to get to some of the farms and ranches. So technically, the the rescue in Philadelphia is just outside the city limits. We live out in one of the older suburbs that um, had a lot of uh, carriage houses and barns and you know, kind of just like on the main line. It is on the main line. That's 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 exactly right. So um, ironically, I rode past this house that had the farm a hundred times on my bike it was kind of like the preferred bike route out of town because you're kind of like on the back roads and sort of these winding hills it's, it's a very nice neighborhood and i uh, i never knew that there was a um, you know a, a working farm you know it's like a mile from my house so yeah it's it's kind of crazy you would think that the rescue would be in steamboat and we'd have like i don't know my my cheese take factory or whatever uh, in Philly, but the the animal rescues in Philly. And is there a particular of the? Tw- I think you mentioned there might be twenty three animals there right now. Um, is there one in particular that you're particularly partial towards? Well, you know, um, I take the donkeys for walks, which is as funny as it sounds um, because. People generally don't expect to see somebody out running or walking uh, with donkeys. And, you know, it's a pretty big property, but I still, I, I feel sorry for them. I feel all my time uh, in my, you know, 20s and 30s cooped up in an office, I can relate to the feeling of being, you know, in one of those little prison cells. So I try and do my best to get them out. And uh, they're, I mean, the donkeys are very, very smart. You know, they recognize you know me my wife lots of people they can distinguish between different cars and all kinds of stuff so they know when it's time to go for a walk which is kind of funny um so it's you know it's very satisfying you walk up and you're like hey look at this the animals are happy to see me the goats are also super smart but the goats get a ton of activity in the uh in the pasture they uh i don't think they need to go for a walk but the donkeys uh they like it so I like the goats too, but you know, I, I, 
you, you can't help but laugh when the donkeys are stoked to see you because they know it's walk time. Okay, and just so I'll, I'll have you differentiate, not me. What is the difference okay. between a donkey and a mule? Or maybe an ass? Okay. I don't even, I, 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 yeah. So what's the difference? So a, a mule is um, bred between a horse and a donkey. Okay. So a mule is half horse, half donkey. And, and donkey is pure donkey. <laughs> donkey is pure donkey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so we've, we've, you know, I, I've gone through the 17 questions and I think we actually added one to sort of modify it for the 18 questions for the upcoming year. Um, yeah. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm, v- I'm very grateful. In fact, do you know how hard it was to, to sort of break through the layers of handlers to actually connect? Are you aware? Well, presumably I'm aware because there are people that I'm paying to keep people like you away from people. Like yeah, but me. I think the beauty of the handler sometimes is that you're, you're, they're handling it so well and filtering out people like me so well that you're, you are unaware that there's sort of people like me wanting some of your precious time. Trying to get in the orbit. Well, you know, I, I think that is true. I think those are good observations. And I will also note that I'm incredibly self-absorbed and somewhat obtuse. So it's very easy for me to become quickly detached and not realize uh, the extraordinary effort that is expended by those around me to make my life better. So uh, probably a good way to close because that's a very keen observation on your part. It is. And I appreciate the fact that you thank me for spending time with you because that's again, seems appropriate. That's what I do. (laughs) Thanks, man. All right. Have a good evening. Good night. Thanks for listening to this special edition and tuning in to Nordic Nation.